Welcome back, everybody. It's CFP Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter, at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter, at CFP Winning Edge, and Xavier Trish, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, on the Twitter machine for the three of us. What a great day it is to talk about some college football, gentlemen. Let's first, of course, react to all of the goings on in week six, the biggest, of course, being the 49 to zip stomping that my Longhorns put on the Sooners. Um, biggest win in the series history. Um, most lopsided loss for Oklahoma in a million years. Snapped their 100 and whatever, however many games uh, with at least one offensive touchdown, which was leading the nation. First time they got uh, shut out since Superman died. I mean, uh, it was just a beautiful game all the way around. Oklahoma had nothing without Dylan Gabriel. And of course that was all that happened last week. Right. I don't know if anything else happened, but I was um, saying that I don't think is even on the sheet here anywhere. <laughs> oh, oh well, that's weird. I don't know how it wasn't on the, the sheet or first thing on the sheet here, Nick, but obviously I'm excited. Uh, there was a lot of other things that happened. I mean, UCLA beat Utah, Tennessee dominated LSU TCU survived. Uh, the trip to Kansas with uh, Jalen Daniels getting hurt. And we now found out that he's out for the year. Uh, Bryce Young was out, but Alabama still escaped with a W against Texas A&M. Um, and Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson all had some easy wins. Without Will Levis, Kentucky was upset by South Carolina, NC State. which lost Devin Leary, nearly lost to Florida State at home. Uh, BYU and Washington lost to unranked Notre Dame and Arizona State. So there was a little more going on than the Red River rivalry, <laughs> but I mean, nothing as important, clearly. Uh, but uh, Nick, your uh, thoughts on week six here it was a good one. Yeah, I, I certainly understand uh, why you were excited. Not only the Texas win, Oklahoma loss, which I know you always celebrate mm. uh, three weeks in a row on that, that front, which is, which is something, but also Texas A&M coming up. Uh, just short, probably would have uh, taken a little bit of the, uh, you know, might have might have stung just a little bit had they knocked off the number one uh, team in the country two years in a row. But yeah, that that Texas win, uh, it, it's so funny. Yeah, I didn't. I just did a quick little, you know, okay, what did the uh, upsets? You know, what happened? The rank versus rank games. What happened? Uh, what ranked teams lost? I didn't even think about Texas and, and Oklahoma, partly because uh, that game was over so early <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, you know, happened so early in the day that uh, it, it got bumped off of my, you know, main watching area uh, pretty quickly. So not mine. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, second. impressive. And, yeah. you know, Quinn Ewers look great. Great to see him back and healthy. Um, Oklahoma just continues to look worse each week not having Dylan Gabriel obviously was um, big, but I don't think that Dylan Gabriel was going to be the difference in, in that game, the way it played out. Uh, it was just pure domination. Similar for uh, Tennessee at LSU. Um, that game, I mean, literally from the opening kick, just LSU seemed like it had no shot. Um, UCLA, uh, I, I was – 
very nervous that one, we had UCLA to win that game outright Two, that we've had, we've been very high on UCLA all year so far. So good. We'll get another shot this week. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, some exciting games as usual, unfortunately, um, maybe even more, uh, just major impact injuries um, this week than, than we've seen maybe at any point this year, not only with, you know, Bryce Young and Will Levis not being able to play. Leary looks like he's going, going to be out for a little while. Jordan Addison went down with kind of an ugly looking uh, low body injury. Deuce Vaughn, I know, got banged up um, real late. Not sure. Haven't, haven't seen an update on his status as we record here on, on Tuesday evening, but uh, I, I'm guessing you might have missed it based on what you said about Jalen Daniels. Just before we uh, hit record, apparently, he uh, quote tweeted the report oh. saying that it was news to him. Uh, okay. I guess that he's out for the year or that that was his you know, particular injury. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, as of, uh, you know, 30, 45 minutes before we started recording, it was, oh, yeah, he's out for the year bummer and to see him go down at all is is definitely a bummer um Jalen Daniels was you know that September Heisman he was certainly in that conversation was playing incredibly well and a huge part of why Kansas is off to its uh you know such a strong start but um yeah you know maybe maybe he will be back uh eventually uh basically all he did was refute that he was out for the year. So maybe he'll be back full game. Maybe he'll be back um, in a month or more. We'll see. But something to watch as we, uh, you know, discuss things on on Tuesday night. There's still some uh, injury, you know, reporting to be done for the rest of the week for sure. Xavier, your thoughts on the week that was week six. A lot of uh, good games here. A lot of fun ones. Uh, I can't believe. The Washington losing to Arizona State is just unbelievable to me. That one was legit shocking. I guess Michael Penix just sucks again. I don't know. Uh, but, um, you know, Texas win. Uh, Bama survives. What What were your big takeaways from this week? Mm, let's see. Do I start with the fact that, you know, there's some fraudulence going on still in these here NCAA? Uh, no, I think I'll leave Ole Miss alone for a week. Um, <laughs> USC wins impressively, I guess. You beat them 30 to 14, but the game was rather close going into the second half. Uh, you pulled away late. Uh, that's kind of been their theme this year. Um, UCLA looks like the best team in the Pac 12 right now, at least offensively uh, at the moment. Oregon, you know, you know, does what they're supposed to do on the road in Arizona. South Carolina upsets Kentucky. That was huge. I mean, Yes, I understand that Will Levis wasn't there, but still got to give kudos to South Carolina. Can we talk about Florida State inexplicably losing that game to NC State? They kind of just handed them the game. I don't know why they they did what they did in that second half. Uh, can we talk – one of the worst special teams players maybe I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a, a punter have a 20-yard fake punt, like has the yardage for it, and then <laughs> scares himself as he crosses the – the uh, the line of scrimmage and decides to punt it anyways, which is a loss of down, and they get it right there where he punted it from, uh, which was just excellent comedy for the night that was. <laughs> uh, you know, BYU losing at Notre Dame. I think Marcus Freeman has calmed everybody there uh, 
from, from any firing conversations that were going on. Um, and yeah, Cincinnati continues to find ways to win, even with Ben Bryant going down for a second there. Um, uh, oh, also a huge win. And this sets up for me what's going to be probably such a fun game later in the year. But Mississippi State drubbing Arkansas. I understand that KJ Jefferson wasn't in attendance, wasn't, well, you know, wasn't in the pads for this game. But man, I, I know that Mississippi State lost that head scratcher earlier in the year. Uh, to LSU, but other than that, they've looked so good. They've looked extremely good, uh, and, and that's going to make for one of the best Egg Bowls maybe of the last four or five years coming down the stretch here. Uh, other than that, oh, <laughs> I have to say this. Georgia State beat Georgia Southern for the third ah, year in a row. There it yeah, is. Come on. Yeah. I was like, come on. Is he not going to say it? Here we go. <laughs> oh, I couldn't uh, be I couldn't be that nice. I mean, to... you put it on Insta. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, you no, know, hey, you got to say listen, something about it here. Listen, for, for a team that swears up and down, there's no rivalry. We beat you three years in a row. And uh, I guess there isn't a rivalry because for that to be the case, somebody has to be competitive. <laughs> oh, I love that stuff. Nick, you wanted to add something? Oh, I, I don't know if you guys saw. Uh, in that Arkansas game, uh, they were down early. KJ Jefferson has been out with a concussion, right? right. Did you guys see that uh, Arkansas kicked a field goal? The kicker goes crazy celebrating, runs over to the side, and hits KJ Jefferson in the head. Oh like, my God. As they're so, like, like how you would normally, you know, somebody with their helmet on. Like, yeah. yeah. Just like, just like, oh. And he's, he doesn't have his helmet on, you know, just hits him, smacks him basically up. God. Uh, I don't know why I just remembered that, but, uh, when, when you reminded me that, yeah, oh yeah, Jefferson was out that game. Uh, he still apparently was, you know, in harm's way. Yeah, yeah. 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 In harm's way from his own teammates. Lordy. Um, I know we had some injuries this week, Nick, uh, who are, are the big uh, Im- impactful ones here? Well, we, we touched on a few already. Uh, some guys were wondering, you know, will they come back after missing last week? Levis, uh, Bryce Young, both of which, if I were to have to, you know, make a guess one way or the other, I, I expect we probably would see both of them. Um, but, you know, won't, won't know for sure probably until kickoff in either case, uh, just because that's the way, you know, things happen. Hopefully Jefferson will be back uh soon there were some other quarterbacks that got banged up as well leary we mentioned probably going to be out for this week at least daniels looks like he's going to be out for multiple games i would expect um i know that emory jones went down part of that arizona state upset uh was so surprising in part because jones wasn't there for for quite a bit of it um they turned to a former walk-on uh tritton i'm going to butcher his last name uh Borgay 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 my my apologies um you know kind of a seems like maybe a little bit of a folk hero uh, on campus kind of thing working 511 185 very Stetson Bennett-y sounding you know size and and just guy who's been around for a while and and you know finally gets a chance and uh, comes up big. So, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see. Will he get the start? Will Jones be able to, to make it back? Um, not sure. I haven't seen a whole lot of information just yet. Uh, but lots and lots of guys, um, you know, Tommy DeVito is off to a great start for a ranked Illinois team. Um, he went down, looks like probably Archer Sikowski is going to be 
getting his first start of the year there for Illinois. Um, some that I'm not sure. You mentioned Ben Bryant. Don't know if if that's going to be something that's going to impact you know the coming weeks. Uh, similar for Jeff Sims. I know he went off uh, for a little bit. Uh, Malik Cunningham missed last week. Um, Ryan Helensky went down at Northwestern. You know, will Dylan Gabriel be back? Will Chance Nolan be back? Uh, Braxton Burmeister was out. Um, San Diego State, you know, brought back a guy who'd been on defense yeah. all year, uh, gave him a start. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, crazy the number of quarterback injuries that we've had. Uh, but this week there were some just other big name guys go down as well. I mean, uh, Jamar Gibbs looked like he had a little bit of a shoulder. He was able to, to come back in, but you never really know how that's going to feel a couple of days later. Maybe something to, to keep an eye on there as Alabama's got a huge, huge game this week. Um, uh, Treshawn Ward has been so impressive for Florida state went down. Um, you know, Indiana was really, really shorthanded with a lot of players. Kentucky, not only was Will Levis not available, but Tavion Robinson, Dane Key both went out at different times with injuries. LSU lost its starting left tackle before the game the night before, you know, tweeted or, or post on Instagram a, a shot of him in a hospital bed. Uh, turned out to be uh, dehydration, but then they lost another starting offensive lineman over the course of that game. So, I mean, we keep track, you know, best we can on game day Saturday. And then the, you know, couple of days after we'll update that same list of, of those players and add some names uh, on an injury updates page in our FBS team profiles. Of course, we've got all the team pages as well, but I mean, this is the the longest list of the season so far and certainly the biggest number of impact, major, major impact players um, at across a large number of positions. I mean, this is a pretty brutal week for injuries and a lot of these are you know unfortunately um some teams that were set up in some pretty good spots nc state kansas uh among others uh, michael trigg for ole miss went down broken collarbone really really talented tight end um but uh, you know a, a handful of guys that are, are going to miss some significant games for uh, some of the teams that have been really, really fun to watch so far. So uh, hopefully everybody will get back, you know, quickly. Um, but it, it's going to be, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have to uh, keep an eye. Will these teams be able to sort of weather these injuries or are they going to uh, be the type that, you know, cause you to lose a game or two? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, in, the deeper we get in the season, the more and more serious injuries we're going to have because a lot of guys will try to play through stuff and then not be able to or play through stuff and aggravate it and uh, all of that good stuff. So such is the nature of the beast in any type of football that uh, we have. So uh, let's take a look now at we I cannot believe it's already week seven. This is the halfway marker for the regular season. So uh, we are already here. It has happened so fast. But we have some enormous games this week. This really is the biggest week, I feel like, for um, you know just impactful top 25 matchups. And we started number three, Alabama, at number six, Tennessee. Uh, this one is um, Alabama by seven and a half. We have it right in that same range. The total is 65 and a half. We have it right there, too. So, Nick, this one, we are absolutely on the line 
uh, two top 10 teams. And that's one of two top 10 matchups that we have this week. So how do you see this Bama Tennessee game playing out? It, it literally depends on whether or not Bryce young is able to go uh, and how close to 100% he is, you know, whether he's not, I, I ran a couple of different scenarios. People who've listened to us before know that we have individual player ratings that we use for unit ratings that are a big part of our overall uh, team strength power rating. We do it because injuries are such a big deal and, and are so impactful, but it also creates a couple of potential issues where uh, one, you know, specific injury uh, impacts which side of a particular game we're on as long as we're, you know, we project against the spread, obviously, and, and that's how we grade our projections. And if Bryce Young is out, uh, we would be on Tennessee to cover, still Alabama to win, um, though it would be in the, you know, three-point range. It would be really, really close. Um, if Bryce Young is is playing but less than 100%, uh, maybe splits some time with Jalen Milrow, um, Alabama would be about a you know, five-point favorite. But with Bryce Young able to play and fully healthy, which is the the decision I made. I, I thought, you know, uh, just just my best educated guess, seeing what he looked like, you know, two weeks ago on the sideline, seeing what he looked like last week on the sideline. Um, decided, hey, we're going to give Alabama the full strength here and and uh, go with that. So a little bit, you know, going out on a limb a little bit. I've noticed. There, we've had some other situations like this in other games in, in weeks past, and it opens up the possibility that you do the wrong thing and and get punished for it. You know, if if uh, Bryce Young's not able to to play in this game, I would feel a good bit better about Tennessee uh, covering and maybe even potentially winning. But you know, sometimes you do the wrong thing and it works out. Uh, that's happened a time or two as well. So it's always a little bit tricky uh, when we have such a high profile injury like this, where there is such a drop off from the Heisman winner to a guy who's a redshirt freshman, still a little bit rough around the edges and some of the, uh, you know, command throwing the football and, and things like that. I've really liked a lot of the flashes I've seen from, from Jalen Milrow, but um, there's a, you know, 17 point drop off in our individual player ratings going from young to Milrow. Um, and that's, that's a big deal. I mean, that's worth quite a few points. So uh, it, it's tricky because Alabama is according to our team performance numbers, the best defense in the country on the field so far this year, they are the most talented defense in the country. As far as our roster strength numbers go, uh, they will, face their toughest test in a Tennessee offense that is top 10 in our talent numbers, uh, top 12 overall, top five passing offense as, as far as team performance goes, operates as a, at a top uh, 10 pace. Every offensive major stat that we track, they rank seventh or better, as high as number two in points per drive, uh, third in yards per pass attempt, sixth in both yards per play and success rate, and then seventh in PPA per play. So uh, this is a just huge, huge matchup. 
excellent offense versus, you know, what, what I would say is the best defense in the country. Um, there, Tennessee has its own personnel issues. Cedric Tillman hasn't played in a couple of games. Seems like he's trending toward uh, being available. Um, so I did, you know, give that Tennessee receiver core, which has gotten a boost out of guys like Jalen Hyatt and Brood McCoy um, with Tillman, you know, out the last couple of weeks. Um, that's rounding out into a, you know, be a pretty deep unit. Um, they should test that Alabama defense, that Alabama secondary. Uh, Tennessee in the secondary has got, you know, some more personnel issues. Uh, Warren Burrell uh, was announced prior to the LSU game that he's going to be out. Uh, Jalen McCullough is dealing with a legal issue, which may or may not cost him some playing time. Uh, they've been a little shorthanded from the season. You know, some of the depth, some of their newcomers have, have been uh, limited at times. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's going to be a really, really interesting matchup, not only because of the great players who are going to be on display, the great units that are going to be on display, but some of the unknowns as to who may or may not be able to play. And then this is the biggest game uh, in Knoxville in a long, long time. I mean, I'm, I'm barely, uh, I feel like, old enough to remember when this was a you know huge <laughs> top 10 type clash. I do remember when Tennessee had a pretty good uh, run you know, prior to Nick Saban getting there. Um, but this, this, as far as a, you know, two teams on a similar footing, uh, two top 10 teams, certainly it's, it's been a while, you know, since, since we've had a game with this big of stakes and in this, uh, rivalry, which has been, Come on, so Nick, you don't remember T Martin. I do remember T Martin, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's uh, the that, Alabama wasn't ago. quite in yeah. full strength in 98. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if memory serves, I know they had some, you know, off and on years there. Uh, when Sean Alexander was there, they had one, one real good year and a couple of not so good years. Isn't T Martin, T Martin coaching his son now? Probably. Think, well, is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I know he's been coaching for for quite a while, uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be a really really fun game. Should be an incredible atmosphere. Uh, but going back to the first thing, you know, if Bryce Young is healthy, I think Alabama wins, and you know, probably shouldn't be too too close. I mean. Touchdown, uh, double digits would not surprise me at all. However, Alabama has looked beatable, uh, especially without Bryce Young last week. So if he's limited, if he's unavailable, um, with this game being in Knoxville and, you know, Tennessee has its own uh, excellent quarterback, uh, has a defense that's not nearly, you know, as dominant, but, uh, is playing at a top 35 level, um, has been better against the run than the pass, but you know Alabama probably would be leaning on the run uh, without Young. So a lot of points, you know, a, a lot of things are sort of trending in Tennessee's favor. Um, but I, I think if, again, Young is available and he's at 100% or close to it, I, I like being on the Alabama side to, to win and cover. Xavier, is it uh, as simple as if Bryce Young plays, 
roll tide uh, and you know Tennessee has no shot or mm -hmm. do you think Tennessee has a shot even if Bryce Young plays and uh, I think the most difficult thing here is to hear Xavier say positive things about Tennessee yeah I know I'm gonna have a lot of them to say for this one too uh, <laughs> so you know Nick alluded to what my biggest point was going to be which is that this game is in Knoxville uh, Bryce Young has not had a good track record on the road at his career in Alabama he just has not um, whether it be uh, Auburn last year, A&M last year, uh, whether it be Ar even Arkansas last year, uh, or excuse me, Arkansas this year. You know, it, I know in that game he got hurt, but he just has not had an amazing track record on the road. His numbers have skewed downward. Um, and this is going to be probably top three hostile environments that he's played in in his career in Alabama. Those people are going to be – ridiculously rockets like i i don't know if he's actually you know what I'll, I'll take that back i don't know if he's been in an atmosphere that's going to be like what he's going to see on saturday um and this is no offense to a&m but a&m wasn't the top 10 team when he went down there last year uh that was a team you know that that, that was a a school that was kind of i won't say reeling but needed a big win this is a team this is a school that feels like this is their year to make a run at things um and they, and they see somewhat of a wounded animal in, in Alabama, in my opinion. You know, they see that Bryce Young isn't 100%. Uh, but if anything I've learned in my 26 years of life, and I know that's not long, it's never to count Saban out when, he, when the chips seem stacked against him. And I just feel like until I see it consistently happen, I'm just not going to bet against Saban. Uh, I think he's going to go in there with the perfect game plan. Uh, I think uh, Tennessee, for all the good that they've done this far this year, I'm going to hold serve. I think they would have already lost to Pitt if it wasn't for the fact that Keen Slovis got hurt. I'm going to hold them to that. Their defense for me has not been impressive enough for them to stop Alabama's offense. Uh, and, and my biggest issue with them so far is that they are a very bend, don't break defense. And I understand that it looks nice when you're doing that to teams that, you know, don't have the explosiveness that Alabama has. But when that bend, don't break is essentially how you're running your, your defense. And you're essentially telling your offense, hey, we need to go out there and score 35 a game because our defense is going to give up at least 24. That, for me, isn't something I want to hang my hat on. Um, I just can't. I understand they just come off of a big win against LSU, but LSU was one of the more fraudulent teams in the country as it is. I mean, they were – you talk about a team that was living – I don't even know how they were able to beat Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State literally threw that game away in the – in only ways that Mike Leach can do. Um, but even without that being the case, I, I think LSU was, you know, in, in route to losing a couple anyways, and us finally fit, right, realizing that they weren't a ranked, a ranked team. This game for me is, you know, Tennessee's barometer matchup. Let's see how good they really are. You know, they, they've been here before. Josh Dobbs had them ranked in the top 10 before, and then they beat, then they went and played Georgia. And then it all kind of went south. So let's see what they're able to do. A friend of mine, I think, you know, he said it perfectly. When Tennessee's a confident team and a confident university, they play like it. When they're not, they play like it. Um, and let's see if, you know, after the first quarter, if they get punched in the mouth, are they going to be able to bounce back like nothing has happened? And like this is still a 0-0 ball game, which is an old cliche coaches love, love to use. I'm sure Nick probably used it at least once or twice in his time of coaching. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, that, but, it, but it's true. Like, the, the, you know, at the end of the day, Tennessee has yet to get punched in the mouth probably since what you would say probably since the pit matchup 
was the last time that they had to fight and claw to win a game. They kind of ran away from Florida. Um, they, you know, dumped LSU off. Uh, they had so, the ball with a chance to win at the very end, though. They kind I know, of but that game, but, but Tennessee, but well, I, I will say, but yeah, but Tennessee kind of just let them hang around. It wasn't necessarily like Florida had, I think, any kind of, you know, had a one up on them. They kind of were just like, we'll, we'll stay, a, you know, a touchdown or 10 points behind you all game. And then, wow, we're going to try to get you there, you know, and, and, you know, snatch and grab one for my stock, for my soccer fans. You know what that means. So, like, I think that that was what happened in that Florida game. I'm not sure if they can be Alabama if the, if Bryce is healthy. If Bryce isn't, I mean, at that point, Tennessee's got to win that game. But I will say this much. The, the the one thing that scares me for Tennessee is are they reading their press clippings too early? I'm gonna be honest. This is for Hypel, for for all of the all for all things considered, this is the first time in his coaching tenure. And for a lot of these players, they've been given the necessary, the, the you know, the hype that they're getting and they're receiving. And do they smell themselves a little bit too early with Alabama coming to town? I understand. And once again, like I said, you never you never count out Saban when he's a wounded animal. He's a wounded animal right now. He has everything in his arsenal when it comes to uh, his press conferences. I'm almost a certain that I haven't even watched a press conference. I guarantee you he's brought up Bryce Young's health right now. I guarantee you that he's brought up something that if they come into this week and they don't look exactly how they're supposed to, he's already hit it on the head. That's just what Saban does. He, he, he's a master in making sure that you are going to talk, tell the narrative that, you know, that he's going, that he wants you to. I mean, hell, we were calling last year a rebuilding team when they were in the national championship because he yeah. called them a rebuilding team. So, once again, I, I'm I'm excited for this ball game. I really do want to pick Tennessee in this. I know that my hate for Tennessee goes deep, but my hate for Alabama, it might be a little bit deeper. Um, <laughs> I doubt it. It's up there. Uh, but, you know, I just think that Bryce Young, and, and something that I saw from him on Saturday was that kid was fired up for his teammates. He is going to be chopping at the bit to get back out there and play better. He himself has talked about him not playing all that great this year, even in wins. Um, and I just know that this is a game that he wants to submit himself as the guy beating Hendon Hooker, who, Scott, you can tell me right now, what doesn't he have top four odds as a Heisman winner right now? Um. Yeah, I mean, they got to be pretty high. It, this yeah. is one of the best offenses in the country, as Nick uh, talked about earlier. And, you know, there's just not a lot of, uh, I don't know, th there's not a lot of top-tier names uh, uh, at the top of the high yeah, list. Obviously, yeah. Stroud has been good, but Bijan, after that fumble uh, against Texas Tech, ain't, ain't getting it, you know. Uh, so Bryce Young has been hurt. So we'll – uh, to uh, DraftKings, Stroud is a pretty heavy favorite. Hooker number two, number two, um, yeah, eleven to one. Stroud is is uh, minus one thirty. Uh, then Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, all in that general area. Right. Um, with, Remember uh, when Hooker was at Virginia Tech? Remember that? That's, I mean, like, <laughs> it seems like eight I, years yeah, ago. It seems like forever ago. But I will say this, and Nick. We're talking about injuries. Is Cedric Tillman back for this game? I would assume for him to be 50 50. Yeah. Right? Sounds like mm. he's they're gonna need him. Question somewhere between questionable and probable. Okay. But yeah. I mean, again, similar to, to Bryce Young. Um, and there's not always, you know, I can't always add a whole lot of context or, or extra info uh when putting it there, but on for both of those guys, they might be healthy enough to play, but how close are they to 100 percent yeah right. it's a it's a difficult thing to, to know yeah. also no that's absolutely right 
It's going to be mean, a great the, one. The one uh, thing I'm that Tennessee could hit, I mean, we all know that that Alabama secondary isn't what it's been in the past. And I mean, this is the most beatable Alabama team that I've seen in a while, and they're still not very beatable. You know what you I know, mean? Like, You know what I will say, though? I'm waiting for a Will Anderson game. Like, I'm waiting for him to have, like, four and a half sacks. Like, this would be the perfect year for him to win the Heisman. Like, I'm waiting for him to have – Chase Young did it against Michigan a couple of years ago where he just wrecked shop. Or what Aiden Hutchinson did against Ohio State last year where he just submits himself as, I'm the best player in the country regardless of what side of the ball I'm on, and I'm going to show you this Saturday in a game where my team needs it. I'm waiting for him to do it. And this might be it. This might be it. He might be in Hendon Hooker's face, face and know what he had for breakfast. So. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, he's on the Steelers draft radar. So I've been watching more and more Will Anderson uh, every, <laughs> every single day. Uh, Steelers right now would have the third overall pick. So, uh, you know, he has been outstanding. Uh, let's go to another top 10 matchup here. Uh, number 10, Penn State at number five, Michigan. Michigan is a seven point favorite. The uh, our line is right in there, about six, closer to six and a half. Fifty two and a half is the total. We're a little over that, Nick. Uh, this is a big game. I, Michigan, I had both sides. I had Michigan in the over last week, but uh, Mike Hart went down, had a seizure like two minutes into the game. And you could just tell that the Michigan sideline was affected by that. Mike Hart's okay. You know, it's a condition that he has. So he he was rushed to the hospital, of course, but he's fine. He's going to be all right. And um, hopefully, I don't know if he'll be back on the sideline this week or not, but, uh, you know, Michigan at least won't have to worry about that in this game. And good thing, too, because Penn State is a serious contender in this game here. Um, I like Michigan and their defense, especially at home in the big house. How do you see this one playing out? Well, first, you said a, a few things that that are, are I think, worth uh, noting. One, that uh, sometimes things happen and, and good yeah. to hear that, that my card is uh, trending in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about what's going to happen in, in this particular game. And then sometimes something like that uh, just completely, you know, one is more important than the game itself, but two uh, can impact it. I mean, we saw some footage of uh, guys, you know, Michigan's top two running backs, Blake Gorham and Donovan Edwards, both look, really shaken up and and Michigan didn't play very well for you know the next uh couple of quarters so um two you you mentioned that our projection here is is really close to that official line that we use uh from Vegas Insider the the consensus line there on on Tuesday morning um that's more and more common as we've seen over the last couple of years as the season goes on we get tighter and tighter and tighter to that line uh, so that's not a, a a real surprise. And then you mentioned we're slightly over this. That that was something that jumped off the page to me uh, <laughs> when when we're going through, you know, because because I finally have gotten uh, I don't know if smart is the right word, but have finally uh, instituted learned. some things learned. Yeah, on on how to kind of make things happen automatically, happen a little quicker. And so I'm able to generate these final score predictions just with a you know click, uh, and then just looking at you know is it a positive number or a negative number compared to the line, and we've been, you know, close to fifty fifty most weeks. This week we are not. This week, just it's it's over probably. <laughs> I think there are like five or six unders 
maybe maybe a few more, but I mean they are. Uh, yeah, it, it, this is a little fluky. Not feeling great. Don't love to be heavy on on anything, whether it's you know favorites or underdogs or overs or unders. I would rather be you know have have some balance, and this week is definitely uh, not in balance. So uh, I feel like there's there's something you know just some of them are are tiny margins, but something just you know didn't fall quite right. Uh, with the uh, over/under projections, but anyway, to the actual game, um, Michigan is—you know—you talk about teams. We mentioned Alabama is somewhat beatable. Um, Michigan was, you know, unbeatable against three of the worst teams in the country uh, in early September, but they've graded really, really well. Uh, if you look at the post-game win expectancies uh, from uh, CFB data. Uh, 96 or better percent against Iowa, uh, Maryland, and Indiana last week. But I would say that that there were times in all three of those games where you're like, okay, this Michigan team um, is not perfect, you know, far from perfect in some ways, and potentially beatable. They've they've been a very very good team, played uh, like a top ten team. They're seventh in overall team performance, their top 15 on offense, their top 10 on defense overall, including uh, top seven, both against the run and the pass. But there's just been something where, you know, the, the and maybe they set the standard too high by just completely dominating teams like Colorado State, Hawaii, and, and UConn. Um, but they're just not, you know, blowing these Big Ten teams out of the water. And Maryland, Iowa, and Indiana. I know our uh, Maryland spent some time in, in the top twenty-five, and, and some of the um, you know analytic projections out there shot up in as high as you know top fifteen. But those three are not necessarily quite on the same page, even I would say with a, a Penn State. So uh, this will be a tough matchup. Um, it is in Ann Arbor, uh, which is is definitely you know good if you're on the Michigan side of things. Uh, but Penn State has had an extra week of prepare, which I always like to note, do think it is uh, a factor. Uh, gives the coaching staff, you know, extra time to prepare, gives uh, the, you know, staff and the team an entire, you know, opportunity to watch a Michigan game live on that Saturday, you know, have it in mind, prep immediately, uh, based on any new information that that they you know saw or learned, um, they've had plenty of time to implement new wrinkles into their own uh, you know way of of preparing, whether it's new plays or you know blitz packages, whatever. Uh, that extra time is is always important. Also, Penn State's you know been a little banged up in some areas. Another week to get healthier. Um, so it's it's a factor. Plus. Penn State has been, you know, top 10, top 12 type team so far this year. They ranked 10th in overall team performance. They're top 10 defensively. On offense, they're top 40, so not quite, you know, as good across the board as Michigan has been this year. But they're 11th overall in our power rankings. They're 15th in our roster strength ratings. Um, There are no, you know, major personnel weaknesses. If If you just go position by position, Penn State matches up decently well um 
in the postgame win expectancy, you know, in, in week one against Purdue, that was a coin flip. That was a 51%, uh, according to CFB data. Everything else since has been 94 or better, uh, including 100% in their only uh, Big Ten game after that opener against Northwestern. Similar to, to Michigan, not, you know, the murderer's row, not the top of the, the Big East, or excuse me, Big Ten East. Um, but Penn State is, has passed every test thus far and looked pretty impressive. The best team that they played on the road, they've already played in a tough road environment at Auburn, took care of business, looked really, really impressive uh, in that game. And so I, I think they're going to be, you know, pretty well prepared. Don't have a, a huge lean on this. Our, our projections, you know, certainly don't. Um, in our stats only model, it does think Michigan, you know, should be favored closer to uh, double digits in our talent only model has a closer to a field goal. So uh, our official projection, you know, not surprisingly uh, splits the difference and, and has it right around that, you know, official uh, point spread of, of seven. So we're closer to six and a half. So we're technically on Penn state, um, but I could see this game going a variety of ways. I mean, could Penn State pull off an, a road upset? Yeah, maybe. Um, is this a game that Michigan probably you know should win at home? Yeah, probably. Is it one where a couple of things, you know, Penn State makes a couple of mistakes and things get out of hand and, and they win this by, you know, 10 or, or 14 or 20? That could certainly happen too. So I don't I don't have a great read on this game. Uh on paper and in our projections, it looks, you know, like a a, a pretty uh even matchup for the most part, or at least, you know, pretty, pretty much um, what the experts, the odds makers um, would expect to happen with a, you know, couple of, of signs pointing on, on either side. So uh, we think the final score is going to be somewhere in the 31, 24 range. Um, that might be a, a touch high, maybe 28, 24, 28, uh, you know, 27, 21, something like that. Um, but uh, we are technically on the the Penn State side to cover, but but probably a game Michigan should win. Xavier, what do you think of this game? Nice uh, Big Ten matchup here in the big house. I like Michigan. Uh, I just think they have more on both sides of the ball. The offense is obviously the question. I think both qu quarterbacks are questionable, and I think both quarterbacks can ruin this for their teams. Uh, so, but strong defenses here. Uh, what do you think of this game? Yeah, you couldn't be more right. I mean, Sean Clifford has, I think, every Penn State fan is waiting for him to have another bad game so they can get Drew Aller in there. This is just for me talking to Penn State fans. They are ready for him, his career to be over with and close. Um, and everybody's super high on Drew Aller. On, Drew Aller. Um, on the flip side, J.J. McCarthy just hasn't been good enough for me so far. Like, at times, he shows his athleticism and why he's the starting quarterback. And I understand that, you know, he gives an element of running. So they play him for that reason. He adds some dynamicism to their running attack with Blake Corman company. So I don't blame them. But throwing the football sometimes, I'm just like, yo, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> are you – do you have a spread to cover? Like, what, what, like what we got going on here, man? Because there's just times where he makes inexplicable throws at moments that don't make any sense. At the end of the Maryland game, they're up, about to finish the game off, and he throws a pick to the pylon, and I'm just like, 
all right, I guess we got a game again. Like, there's just times where I just think J.J. McCarthy thinks he's Brett Favre, and I'm like, you're not that guy. Like, just, just do what you're supposed to do. Use your legs when you're supposed to and throw the open receivers because they get open on a pretty, you know, consistent basis. It's going to come down to two phases, the defensive line for both teams, whether or not they're going to be able to get home and whose running game pops first. Because I think in this game, you're going to see much of a slugfest to start off. Uh, I think both teams are going to be out to stop the run to make sure that neither team can get that going because they understand how important that is for both sides. But eventually defenses get tired they make the right block. And who's going to be able to spring that first run? Who's going to be able to score, you know, th- those first two possessions in a row? Maybe it's, you know, even if it's a touchdown and a field goal, who's going to be able to create some distance between themselves? Because I don't think either offense is built to come back from a legitimate deficit. Um, I think both teams are front runners in how they want to play. Uh, that's how they want to play. Now, in the event that they have to pass the football, they will do so. But that's not how either team wants to play the game. Um, and I think that that's what you're going to see on Saturday. You're going to see time of possession. You're going to see a lot of ball control for my punters out there. You're going to see a ton of, you know, field position plays, I think from both teams. Um, and you might see some head scratching fourth and one calls, you know, in their own territory if the offenses really aren't going. Um, so I like Michigan to win this game. I think their pass rush is just a little bit better. Um, I also at this moment, just because I have more, I think I have more of a sample size. I'm expecting Sean Clifford to make a mistake. And I know that, you know, I'm not cheering on Sean Clifford's downfall. Let me get that correct. But the propensity for him to make a mistake in a big game feels a lot higher than J.J. McCarthy at this point. And once again, I said it, it comes down to sample size. I've seen They're, they're about the off. same, according to PFF, just because okay. uh, I was looking at the numbers. It looks like um, the uh, Sean Clifford has four big-time throws and five turnover-worthy plays. And it's six big time throws from McCarthy and five turnover worthy plays. So, so I'm, I'm yeah, the, as your generation <laughs> would say this is the battle of mid, right? Yeah. Here. Oh, absolutely. Especially when it comes to dropping back and passing, which is why whoever figures out how to run the football first might be the team that wins this ball game. Um, and give me Blake Quorum for that. You know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Now, don't get me wrong. Penn State's got themselves another freak back there. Yeah. He, yeah, there's a reason why he's getting compared to Saquon Barkley as far as his physical attributes. That kid, if he's given just a sliver of space, he can bust a game wide open. So give me Michigan because they're at home. I trust their pass rush more. I think that this is one of those games where before last season and before Harbaugh was able to show the ability to win a big game, consistent or win the big game, quote unquote, I think I might have Michigan slipping up here. However, he's calmed those thoughts for at least the next, you know, for the rest of this week. Uh, and I think they should, they should win this ballgame. Um, I also love their defensive end more. I think he might be a first-round draft pick when he comes out. He's great. Um, and I just believe at the end of the day, Sean Clifford concerns me way too much in a ballgame of this magnitude. He has, at his career in his career at Penn State, he's just never been able to be a guy to get over that big game hump. I'm not so certain this is going to be on Saturday either. Give me Michigan in the big house gonna be uh gonna be a fun one that is for sure uh we've got i mean we have so many games to pick from here guys i'll just uh i'll just go um let's go to usc number seven usc uh is on the road against number 20 utah now utah is actually three and a half point favorites at home but we have it flipped the other way we like usc as three and a half point road favorite 63 is the total we're right in line with that nick so Tell us why it's the Trojans over the Utes here. 
Yeah, well, we're, you know, mentioned that that we've been really high on UCLA and that's made me nervous. We've been pretty high on USC as well. I mean, they finished in our preseason top 10, um, which was somewhat unexpected, but they are a team, you know, the way we calculate it with, with uh, recruiting ratings coming out of high school, uh, being a major factor in our roster strength ratings. USC is a top five roster uh, in college football. And um, this was the greatest example of, you know, last year's uh, team, you know, can be very, very different from this year's team, especially, you know, with with the uh, way things work and how you can rebuild a roster as as quickly as you can now. So um, I think there's still a feeling out there that uh, similar to last week, you know, Utah is a team you can trust. Um, They might not always have the most talented team, but they are going to be very difficult to beat. And in this case, especially at home, Um, you know, and and in years past, somewhat similar to a lot of the things I said last week about UCLA in a similar spot, you haven't always been able to trust USC. We've talked plenty in the, you know, past few weeks about how offensively, yeah, everything looks great. Defensively, they're creating a ton of turnovers. I mean, turnover margin, uh, they have their plus 14. And I think there's, they're the only team in college football that's, uh, double digits. I mean, so it's just a huge, huge lead as far as that goes. And for a lot of folks, and and in some ways it's certainly true, turnover margin is a a little bit of a sign of luck. Um, There were certainly some things that happened, you know, in that Stanford game. Uh, Had Stanford not turned the ball over, what was it, three times in the red zone, um, we might have a completely different view of this USC team, but uh, USA was able to, you know, get some turnovers and and they've been able to, though they've struggled really, you know, they've, they've really struggled to defend the run. Um, their defense has come up with some big plays and, and they've made some improvements in certain spots. I mean, success rate, they're 105th in the country. That's, that's pretty bad. Um, but defending the pass, I mean, they're 31st in yards per pass attempt against FBS opponents. They're top 40 nationally in PPA per play, uh, right around the 50 mark in points per drive, yards per play allowed um, against FBS opponents. So, you know, they're they're making some progress. They're not one of the worst defenses in the country like it looked like, you know, they were at times last year. And then um, in the, the very early stages of, of this season, you know, things did not look uh, that great on, on that side of the ball. But, I mean, USC is a good team. And, you know, they have looked beatable at times. They were really shaky on the road against Oregon State. Um, you know, even the last two weeks against Arizona State and, and Washington State, where they've had a, a big talent edge in, in both matchups, um, they haven't looked quite like they're clicking on all cylinders. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear that they're the more talented team. I uh, mentioned Jordan Addison. We, we need to keep an eye on on his injury situation. Uh, I haven't seen anything as of yet this week. Um, even if he is out, I, I think that, you know, USC is probably going to be in a, a decent spot. Um, but Utah's got, 
you know, their own wide receiver injuries. Uh, Solomon Enos has missed the last couple of games. Um, you know, Tavion Thomas, I, I think I haven't seen a, an injury reported, but I know at times he's, uh, you know, not gotten the, the key carry kind of maybe look like he's uh, gassed a little bit at the end of a game and, and things like that. So maybe something to keep an eye on. Of course, they lost Brent Keithy uh, for the season. Their running back room has, has been pretty thin at times. Chris Curry was lost to a season-ending injury early in the year. So, you know, Utah is still going to be a very difficult matchup. And if you're looking for, you know, the the loss on USC's schedule, um, this is one in the preseason. It's one in, you know, the first few weeks of the season. A lot of people had circled because it's, you know, it's, hard to go into Salt Lake City and, and beat Utah. Um, but I I think that, you know, we've seen uh, Utah get outplayed. Uh, I do think that UCLA, you know, just outplayed Utah last year, Utah or last week. Uh, Utah is a little shaky on the defensive side of the ball, which is not something we're used to. They've had some big plays and, you know, Clark Phillips, the third is an all American type corner, you know, maybe first round pick. I don't know. You guys tell me, um, but elsewhere they've struggled. They, they rank 83rd in defensive team performance against the run 62nd against the pass, 64th overall, uh, you know, cam rising and, and uh, Thomas when he's healthy and, and, you know, the rest of that offense has, done some good things they rank 18th in overall offensive team performance um but so far utah is not a you know top 10 top 20 type team like they came into the the season they're playing like a top 35 team overall whereas usc has you know played up to uh, that they've at least played better they're top 20 um team overall in team performance top 10 on offense so i do think that matchup is is especially if, if Addison's able to, to play in his, you know, close to full speed, a, a big time uh, matchup advantage for USC certainly is a spot where they could slip up. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't mind at all uh, our projection coming out with USC not only covering, but, but winning. Um, I felt nervous about the UCLA over Utah last week. Uh, and this one certainly, you know, may not work out. This this might just be the the week that we see that Utah unbeatable home, you know, type team, and and USC maybe uh, scuffles a little bit, has its its letdown moment. Um, but I am less nervous about this one by far than I was the UCLA, you know, being favored at home last week. I think that this this is a pretty clear. Um, talent edge for USC and is a game that they can and, and maybe should win despite actually being an underdog on the road. So uh, I may look like a, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, may definitely look like an idiot uh, come Saturday. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I kind of like we're on USC in this one. What do you think, Xavier? I mean, uh, both these teams have been inconsistent. I feel like uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't really know or have a very good lean in this Either game. Way. It's a late one. It's in Utah. Um, I understand Utah being favored, but I don't know. Uh, I think I'm with Nick. I think I'd rather take USC, but 
I would I would take USC in this yeah. game, but with the confidence of like two and a half or three. It wouldn't be very confident. Very true. And I understand Utah being favored. I, I feel like against UCLA last week, they kind of got like – I don't know the best way to put it. They got ambushed a little bit. I feel like they looked up really quickly. All of a sudden, UCLA had a lead and was, and was just driving. And before they can make any adjustments, UCLA was like, gotcha. Um, I just feel like they were not – I don't know if they – not saying they weren't fully prepared would, would be downplaying the coaching staff a little bit here. But I just – when I watched that game, it just felt like everything UCLA did worked. You know, they, Zach Charbonnet ran all over the defense. Anytime Julian Thompson wanted to throw the football, he did. Heck, there was a drive, I believe, where he took a sack. And on the very next play, he picked it up. And I was just like, okay, they, they just don't have it this afternoon. And sometimes as a team, you realize you just don't have the goods. Uh, but, you know, what, what better way than to get back to it than to play a top 10 team at home with an opportunity to beat, you, you know, beat USC, which is, you know, going to be, which is a big game regardless of whether or not USC is ranked. But now you've got, you know, I won't say playoff contentions because they're four and two, but you still got a chance to win the Pac-12 uh, or at least be in contention for the Pac-12. So winning this game is still huge for them. On the USC side, I just want to see them play two two halves of football. Um, I, I have yet to see them play a full game yet, uh, which is a little bit of concern for me because ultimately that's what it's going to take them to win a national championship if that's their aspirations this year. Uh, Caleb Williams' numbers in like the first half are like a ton of completions, but not a ton of touchdowns. And then in the second half, he just explodes. Uh, you know, Travis Dye has been good this year, but I feel like once again, he's been great from the 20, you know, in between the 20s. But when it gets down to the red zone, bogs down a little bit. Uh, I just am expecting more from this team offensively. And I'm, I'm waiting for them to have a game against a, a good team where they just assert their dominance. And it's not in the fourth quarter where they, you know, they, they just pull away. Right. I'm waiting for them to show me in quarters, you know, one through three. And. They are playing a team in Utah that's going to come out extremely hungry. And we know what playing in Utah is like when they feel like they're the underdogs. Heck, I beat I, I called Oregon to beat them twice last year and was wrong both times. Um, so I, I expect Utah to come out and play with some with more energy. If USC can get through the wave of that first quarter, maybe even quarter and a half, where USC is – or not USC, but Utah is playing with a little bit more fervor, a little bit more energy, the home crowd is rocking – um, if they can if they can get through that, they'll be fine. Um, I believe that that's the case. My only concern is, is the last time we saw Caleb Williams kind of in like uh, uh, like in a, in a big game where he had where he was, quote unquote, the guy. He got benched for Spencer Rattler midway through that game and then came back at the end. And I'm just not necessarily sure that Caleb Williams has enough experience under his belt right now for me to pick him as just like, this guy's going to come out there, have an amazing game. And there's going to be no question. There's still question marks for him, in my opinion, especially if Jordan Addison cannot go in this game. Uh, there's still, there's still, you know, ex extreme questions for me, for him. And this is a game that he can calm all those thoughts for me. If he goes out there, plays well against a team that I know hasn't played a great defensively, but it's still a well-coached defense regardless. That'll tell me a lot about what this USC team will be doing going forward. Um, they're one of those teams now that I don't grade them on what they're doing within their own conference, which is cool. I'm grading them on what they're going to be able to do on the national scale because that's what they look like they're going to be headed towards. Um, I've got USC winning this game. I think it's going to be a, extremely close. Um, I think USC has to, you know, is going to have to show us they got guts to win this ball game, and if they do, once again, that's a huge check in my book uh, as if, as it goes on the national scale because at the end of the day, they need a game like this to really show everybody that they're for real. 
Let's go to the Big 12, Nick. Number eight, Oklahoma State on the road at number 13, TCU. TCU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. We see this as TCU by closer to a touchdown, six and some change. 68-and-a-half is the total. We are over that. Uh, Like you said, you made an adjustment. Got a bunch of overs this week. Seems like a high total, but I mean, Spencer Sanders has been incredible. TCU really hit their stride last week. Quentin Johnson had 14 catches because I benched him in CFF. I mean, that's the exact reason why everybody knows that. But um, this looks like a fun, close Big 12 game. Uh, I I don't know. I, I feel like the home team should be favored, but there's something about OK State this year that I like. So I think I would take them in this game. Uh, how do you see it playing out, Nick? So did Quentin Johnson do the uh, Michael Jordan with the iPad meme? You know, and then, then I took <laughs> yeah. that personally. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Ogden benched me, and I took that personally. Right. right. Exactly. Uh, TCU. You know, it's it's funny thinking back to certain points over the off season where I would spend you know a day or. or the better part of one making updates specifically to one team in the team sheets. Uh, you get really deep for like half a day on every team and then you move on and sometimes you forget it, but there are certain teams that, that jump out uh, where you're like, huh, I, I think I like that team more than I expected. Um, there've been a couple of those this year that have worked out so far. Uh, Illinois was one and TCU. Uh, was one and TCU moved a little bit in the wrong direction for us when it came to right at the the beginning of the season when it looked like Chandler Morris was going to be the quarterback uh, just because Max Duggan's a highest you know a higher rated player in our individual player ratings the way we have it set up he was a higher rated recruit coming out of high school Uh, he's played a lot more so he's you know got more experience points he's put up more production over the course of his career so he's a you know low 90s rated player which some at certain parts of his career would would probably argue was a little bit overrated Chandler Morris had a huge uh game last year picked up a lot of momentum getting a lot of you know positive buzz uh in fall camp actually wins the job uh he's you know an 80 and a half rated player uh, which many would argue, and, and perhaps rightfully so, he was a little underrated. So there was a time there where the biggest piece of the you know roster strength puzzle, being that quarterback, they actually went with the lower-rated player according to our calculations. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. Baylor did a similar thing, you know, moving away from Gary Bohannon. It makes sense that you know the the higher-rated player. Uh, will start. And if the coaching staff and, and the team, you know, it's clear to them that the better quarterback is who we have as the, the higher rated, or excuse me, the lower rated player, um, you know, perhaps they shouldn't be penalized for that. Anyway, regardless, unfortunately for Chandler Morris, he suffered an injury. Max Duggan stepped in and has played like, you know, a mid nineties type quarterback. I mean, he is, uh, at the top or near a lot of leaderboards, a lot of different statistics. Uh, this TCU offense is playing incredibly well. Top five in overall team performance, number three passing, number one rushing. And we said it leading up, you know, 
the the I believe last week when we touched on TCU that they were playing at about this level and they hadn't even reached their ceiling yet because we hadn't seen Quentin Johnston break out and now he has so now we have seen you know what this TCU offense uh, really can be and and I think it is continue to play at a top five level defensively you know they still have some questions. They're 73rd in overall defensive team performance, uh, 79th against the pass, 57th against the run. Uh, their PPA per play numbers, not great in the 80s. Uh, they are 45th or worse in all those uh, defensive stats that we look at, uh, the best being points per drive, and they allow nearly two points per drive. So, you know, defensively, a little bit of a struggle. Offensively, looking good. Um, Oklahoma State, has been a team that uh, was in a similar preseason spot coming into the 2021 season, where our rankings, we were pretty high on Oklahoma State, much higher than than most, and it made me a bit nervous to be a little you know, out on a limb. Uh, it worked out. They played for the Big 12 championship game, or excuse me, played for the Big 12 championship. Um, this year, we're kind of on the flip side, where Oklahoma State lost a ton, of production and we're just a little bit lower. You know, the roster strength numbers aren't really there. Spencer Sanders is a high rated player, somewhat similar to Max Duggan coming into the year. A lot of people would say he's probably a little overrated in part because of his recruiting rating coming out of high school and just the sheer fact that he's played a lot of games, started, you know, 30 plus uh, games to this point has built up a lot of production. Uh, but other than Sanders being a high rated player and then their defensive line being one of the best in the country, this Oklahoma State team just doesn't really grade particularly well in a lot of our roster numbers. I mean, Brennan Presley has been an all Big 12 caliber uh, receiver, but, you know, other than that, you know, linebacker, they had to completely start over in the secondary. They almost had to, you know, completely start over. And so roster wise, they just, they don't look like, a top 10 team the way they've, you know, been seen in the polls. Uh, but in digging even deeper and, and looking at the on-field team performance, they're a top 40 team. Uh, they're 44th overall in offensive team performance. They're 54th in defensive team performance, 40th again overall. Uh, but they win games. And, you know, they they are a well-coached team. Mike Gundy is 12th in our head coaching ratings gets a little bit more out of that roster than, uh, you know, the average coach. Certainly he's done it for a long time. They're playing at a really fast offensive pace uh, this year, top four in time between snaps. Uh, so this is actually one where I feel, I think good about our, our over. Uh, we actually projected in the seventies. I think that's the first time that's ever happened. Um, but this one looks like it's going to be a fast, high scoring game, a team, or excuse me, a, a game in which, you know, TCU passed the the test last week against Kansas, but a few, you know, expected that to be uh, a, a premier game or, or, you know, something that they would uh, put down as a resume win. Uh, even just a few weeks ago. So, you know, I, I, I still don't know if we really have learned a ton about TCU. Oklahoma State, you know, I'm, I'm not the one who does the uh, fraud watch, but <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> if I were, 
Uh, they are a team that I'm, I'm kind of waiting, you know, uh, and they might just prove me wrong, but I just think that this Oklahoma State team is probably a little, a little overrated as a top 10 team. I know they've beaten everybody on their schedule, um, but I, I feel decent about TCU in this spot in Fort Worth. Uh, and if Oklahoma State is somehow able to, you know, get get by TCU uh that that back to back with uh they and and Texas and then Kansas State lurking who is a team that they can beat you up i i just i i feel like Oklahoma State is not getting out of the month of October undefeated uh but they have so far exceeded expectations and and you know certainly could continue to do so but TCU playing as well as it is on offense right now, especially if we get more of, of Quentin Johnson like we saw last week. Uh, I just don't know that Oklahoma State's going to you know, quite be able to keep up. I, I do think um, I kind of like our projection here of, of 40 to 34, something in that range. Um, TCU winning by closer to a touchdown than a field goal in a you know bit of a shootout. Xavier, how do you see this one playing out? Because I think I'm with Nick. I see this as a high-scoring affair, a shootout. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I have a good feel one way or the other who wins, but even with an over that high, I think I'll take the over as well. So uh, what do you think about this Big 12 matchup? Yeah, neither team is going to play defense. Like, I just 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 have that outright. TCU is one of the more explosive teams in the, in the country, but doesn't play a lick of defense. Oklahoma State themselves – are a team that kind of they're they're weirdly explosive. They they find ways to move the ball down the field in chunks that like just are unconventional in some ways. A lot of a lot of trickeration going on with Oklahoma State uh, in particular, and obviously Spencer Sanders being able to run. And that's why I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. I trust that kid. I there's you know the old adage when guys get into the draft, and Scott probably has heard this a thousand times. He's a winner. Spencer Sanders wins games. He just and, and you know they're either say, he's oh. a winner or he's a football player. Those right, are the you two know. Things. But like you know that that's a kid who, you know, in his time at Oklahoma State has won as much as you really almost could possibly can. You know, you beat Oklahoma. You, you, all you haven't done at this point, I think, is won a Big Twelve uh, championship game. So I, I think at this point, you really look at you know who do I trust more in a game like this, and I'm going to say Spencer Sanders. I Max Duggan for all the good he's done for all the great things he's put together with this team this year, as explosive as they've been, I'm not ready to crown them just yet. I can't do it. Uh, But what I will say is that Oklahoma state has shown me time and time again, especially with Spencer Sanders behind the helm, they win ball games. And that doesn't mean they do, they do it in a sexy manner. They, they win games, you know, and then, you know, explosive way. They just win. And, and so in games like this, when I am really looking for a, a true X factor, I'm going to have to look at the quarterback position. I'm going to have to look at Spencer Sanders. I'm almost waiting for Max Duggan to kind of, I won't say return to, to his previous form, but I'm not going to say, I, I don't think that the year he's had so far is foolproof. I, I think I won't say it's also a hundred percent fluky. It sits somewhere in the middle for me, but I know what I'm going to get out of Spencer Sanders in this game. Uh, I know I'm going to get somebody who's relatively calm in the pocket, uses his legs when he needs to, gives the ball to his playmaker, um, to those playmakers, and just lets them go when when all else fails. And in a defense in Oklahoma State that is just always just seemingly good enough. 
they, they're never a team that I would think would go into the playoffs and make any real noise because they don't have a defense that's great. But they're just good enough to, in the game like this, win it 38 to 28 because they got two stops instead of the one that TCU was able to get, you know, before halftime. Like that's, they've always just kind of given me that air of, you know, they're the literal definition of bend, don't break uh, in, in a lot of ways. And so, Give me Spencer Sanders in this ballgame. I, I do love what TCU's got going. I understand that it's a home game for them too. But I, I'll say this much. Last week's win over Kansas kind of put a sour taste in my mouth because their backup quarterback came in and sliced up your secondary like he was the starter. And I'm just thinking to myself, what would the starter have done? You know, I, I get some of the throws were excellent. I mean, Bean was back there cooking. Don't, don't get me wrong. But – as a secondary, the second, you know, your backup quarterback is coming in. Even Texas A&M showed you this week what you're supposed to do to a backup quarterback, and that's at Alabama. You're supposed to be able to lock down whatever you can and make it, you know, and suffocate that guy into making bad throws and making turnovers. They couldn't do that on a consistent basis, and he was able to move the football seemingly at will. Um, and that, for me, just makes me think that Oklahoma State is going to walk into TCU and be able to do what they want to do offensively. And I think Oklahoma State's defense is just good enough to get a couple of stops in this ball game and, and, and win this game and, and, you know, beat TCU who's had a good run so far. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, going to be a fun one for sure. Uh, let's go over to the ACC. So we have, uh, you know, just another ranked on ranked game is number 15 NC state at number 18 Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse is a three, uh, four point favorite. We have, we have a closer to three and a half 44 is the, uh, total. We are over that 44, uh, Nick. I mean, you know, Syracuse is a surprise to say the least here. Um, with how well they've been playing, particularly on offense, NC state was expected to be in this range here, but have had a little bit of an up and down season. I know, uh, Leary is, uh, gimpy. So how do you see this game playing out? If I were to, to guess, I, I would say that Leary's probably not going to play in this game. Um, didn't look like, you know, the type of injury that, that, uh, you can shake off in a week. Obviously not a doctor, obviously a, a long way from it. Um, but it looked it looked pretty ugly. And and uh, a lot of the uh, reports, you know, don't necessarily make me think that that he's going to be able to bounce back right away, which is, uh, uh, you know, really tough for NC State. I mean, you mentioned their ranking in the poll uh, without Leary projected to start. Uh, they've fallen out of our top 25 um they aren't necessarily playing even like a top 25 team so far especially on the offensive side of the ball they're 33rd in overall team performance that is um in part because they're you know still a top 20 defense on the field and and one of the uh top rated uh defenses as far as roster strength goes but offensively they've really struggled they're in you know, the eighties in every team performance category. Um, they are in the triple digits in yards per play uh, against FBS opponents only. They're 102nd uh, with 4.93 yards per play in those games, you know, 111th in yards per pass attempt. And that's with Devin Leary uh, because basically after he left the game, Jack Chambers, who is an experienced backup started 25 games at the FCS level. Uh, but he, I mean, did he attempt a pass? I'm not sure. 
Um, they just sort of, you know, leaned on the running game, which was shorthanded because Demi Sumo was, was out for a bit. Sounds like he's probably going to be able to make it back. Also, Devin Carter missed some time. Uh, one of their more talented receivers. Uh, sounds like he's probably going to be able to come back as well. But, you know, this offense, we could see not, not only uh, was it, you know, uh, it's not that we saw a huge drop off in offense without Leary. It's that NC State without Leary is a totally different offense, at least, you know, from what we saw last week. Um, so it's it's not a situation where I've got a ton of confidence uh, in NC State offensively regardless, but without their best player and, and their most important player, uh, I certainly don't feel great about it. So we do have Syracuse favored in this game. Uh, Syracuse has played really, really well. Uh, they don't rate particularly well in a lot of the roster strength categories. Offensively, they're fringe top 25, but defensively, uh, they are on the very low end of Power 5 defenses just in terms of overall talent uh, and experience and production. They're 89th in roster strength, so top 50 nationally, but you know, middle of the pack in the Power 5. Uh, but they've played like a top 20 team. They're 37th in our power rankings. Uh, they're top 35 in offensive team performance, top 35 in defensive team performance. Um, they are pretty balanced on offense, actually grayed out a little bit better uh, passing, which when you've got Sean Tucker uh, and everything he can do as a running back, that's you know fairly impressive, especially Garrett Schrader, not exactly the most polished passer uh, out there, but has been able to you know be productive, make plays, and, and uh, get the ball out to his playmakers. Uh, one of which, Aronde Gatson II, kind of a, a little bit of a surprise, big body wide receiver, has been the the biggest impact uh, player for them, you know, in the passing game so far this year. So that's been interesting to see. Um, Syracuse, you know, statistically much better on offense, top ten in PPA per play, top ten in success rate, top twenty five in points per drive, top twenty yards per pass attempt. You know, yards per play, they slip a little bit. They've had, you know, some negative plays uh, bring that down. But overall, they are a very, very solid offense. Um, and it's been fun to see what, you know, bringing Robert and I in from Virginia. Uh, they certainly miss him, by the way, right? So seeing not only the impact that, that he's had on Syracuse, but seeing uh, how the team he left that brought back a lot of their biggest playmakers – you know, has fallen off makes you think that, that, you know, that, that injection of, of uh, uh, coaching and, and, you know, schematic ability that he brings has been, you know, has really paid off for Syracuse. So um, this is a, certainly one where if Devin Leary were fully healthy and we knew he was going to play, we'd, we'd be in a different spot. But uh, unfortunately for NC State, you know, with him being out, most likely, I don't think it's official, but seems more, you know, far more likely than not. Um, though we have Syracuse, you know, expected to win this game as a result, uh, we do still have NC State within that, you know, three and a half to cover. I don't have a ton of, uh, or with, within four with, is the uh, the official. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in that. Uh, the way that NC State just completely changed on offense without Devin Leary makes me think that you know they're they're 
best, maybe only shot here is to play keep away, you know, try to just slow things down, make it ugly, get to the fourth quarter, uh, you know, close or, or tied uh, and give you a chance to win. And, you know, that certainly doesn't look good for our over 44 in that scenario. Um, but, you know, perhaps this is one where we just couldn't quite account for, uh, you know, that huge drop off between Leary and probably just what that offense is going to look like without him. So uh, we do have NC State to cover, but do have Syracuse favored to win. And it wouldn't surprise me at all um, if Syracuse, you know, at home uh, against a shorthanded NC State team wins this by a, a touchdown or maybe even double digits um, because that NC State team, even with Devin Leary, uh, wasn't necessarily clicking offensively so far this year. Xavier, you have a good lean in this game one way or the other. NC State probably not uh, playing their starting quarterback, Devin Leary, who could be an NFL-level QB. Uh, Syracuse has turned it on and looked great this year. What do you think? I have no clue. I, this, is just, <laughs> this is one of those games where I go, I wasn't expecting this game to be good at all when you look at the schedule <laughs> at the beginning of the year. So your preparation is limited at best. I've caught maybe – 20 minutes of a Syracuse game this year. I, I, you oh, know, you're missing I, out. They're fun. I, I, I really they are am. fun. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I've, go back and watch that Purdue game. That was wild. Every Everybody, all my friends hop into on the Xbox and they're like, yo, you watch Sean Tucker today? I'm like, I, I can't say I did. Uh, but, you know, I, I will say this. I, I do think that, you know, Syracuse has it going in the right direction. Is Syracuse becoming a football school? Okay, I won't go that far. Um, my biggest thing with them right now is quarterback play. And, and I understand that. You know, NC State's not going to have their starting quarterback in. But I just feel like they showed a level of, you know, excellence, especially on the defensive end against uh, against Florida State, which is a good Florida State team. Let's not get, let's not, let's not, you know, allow that game to really, uh, to skew our thoughts of what Florida State has been this year. They've been able to keep up, they were able to keep up with Wake Forest for, you know, especially in that second half of that game. And then in this game, I believe they had full control uh, against NC State, but lost it at the end of that game. And that's because NC State's defense stepped up. Um, so that's going to be what they're going to have to do again this week is they're going to have to step up against a Syracuse team that's hot. Um, if they're at home, anybody been to that dome? It's a it's it's a weird atmosphere. It's, it's a it's a crazy one. It's a it's a basketball stadium. What's well, well, it gets converted into a basketball stadium? But you know, it's one of those things that you know I genuinely think if you haven't been able to go to a game at Syracuse, whether basketball or in football, when it's packed out, go because it's ridiculous. Um, and so that's going to be one thing that they have to contend with, with, with a, you know, with a quarter, a backup quarterback. So that's not going to be necessarily easy. My biggest question is, and we, and we kind of start off the, uh, the podcast with it. If Florida state doesn't literally give the ball to NC state in their side, in their territory three times, does NC state win that ball game? I think no. Um, and, and with that being the case, that just shows me, it shows me the lack of ball movement that NC state probably would have had. Cause if I'm not mistaken, they had three drives, either start with it, start inside Florida State's 40, and they walked away with six points, I believe, from all of them. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and Nick, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but I'm pretty certain that's what it was um, to, to win that ball game. And so if that's the case, the NC State didn't move the ball at all against that Florida State defense. And that's concerning for me with, without without Devin Leary. Uh, in this ball game, or possibly without Devin Leary in this game, so I'm going to go with Syracuse. Let's keep the ball rolling. Um, Syracuse possible ACC title contender. I mean, at this point, you got to say yes. 
Um, they they probably be the best. They're gonna be. They should get game day. Ah, they should they should got game day this week. Ah, they took anyways. it to they took it to Lawrence. I mean, you know, last week, yeah, but they should have got it this week. Ah, anyways, <laughs> you know, um, I, I I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with Syracuse. They're healthy. That's extremely important. If Devin Leary cannot go, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be extremely tough for them to move that football uh, with the backup quarterback unless they can get the run game going, and they didn't show that they could against against Florida State uh, a week ago. Um, yeah, they scored. I'm right. They had <laughs> – this This is how bad their offense was in that fourth quarter. They had a, they had a drive that was four plays, negative 23 yards, and they were still able to kick a 53-yard field goal. That tells you where they were starting on the field. Their offense was horrendous once Devin Leary left the field. Now, I understand they've had a week to prepare, but I'm still not going to be – I'm not willing to say that they've got it all together uh, going into Syracuse. And I'm going to go with Syracuse in this game because of the healthier team. In my opinion, they're the hotter team at the moment, and they're at home, which is huge for them. I remember hearing about that stadium in Syracuse that it is crazy hot. It's ridiculous. They sell it out. Yes. Uh, because it has no, in, you know, like it, it's a crazy insulated. <laughs> and uh, even in the dead of winter, they said people are sweating in the stands uh, at that place, which would make it to me Minute Maid Park. So because uh, uh, I've been there twice to see Astros games and it is hot as a mug in there. It is uh, crazy hot it in that stadium stinks. because they have they had all the oh, does it? I can imagine all those people in there. It's all just sweating. a bunch of people sweating like it's a sauna. It's like uh Syracuse pit like 2013 was when I went absolute sauna it was oh no thanks uh what 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 time of the year was that did that you went it was basketball season so it was like the dead of winter oh like, God. We, we were freezing <laughs> yikes <laughs> on the uh, outside yeah 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 on the outside you get inside and you're burning up uh right. not great uh, not great Bob uh how about let's go to uh Mississippi State against Kentucky. Oh, this yes. is a ranked on rank match as well. Uh, this one uh, pits number 16, Mississippi state on the road at number 22, Kentucky. The line here is Mississippi state by seven. Uh, we have it more than Mississippi state by a couple 46 and a half is the over. We're almost 10 points. I think this is the biggest differential we have in points here. Um, we are way on the over in this game, Nick. Uh, tell me about Mississippi State, Kentucky. Obviously, is, is Will Levis going to play in this game? That is a huge uh, contributing factor to what's going to happen here. Plus, I mean, like Xavier alluded to earlier, Mississippi State has looked good recently. Yeah. So how do you see this one playing out? Mississippi State has been very good. I mean, they are 13th in our overall power ratings. They're top 15 in overall team performance. Um, it's not like either side of the football has been – elite they're 23rd in offense and in, in passing or excuse me in team performance uh and they are 43rd defensively uh they put up great passing numbers but it's not like they're you know the most um explosive or even efficient you know team throwing the football they uh run a little bit better than you know some mike leach teams have in the past there's a little more uh of that actual threat of a running game um part of that i was you know uh you, you see the the folks out there the the film folks who do some good work uh putting together uh, you know threads of, of different games and, and things like that there was some discussion i saw today didn't get to dig into it a ton but um how for a while there when leach first got to mississippi state uh 
teams had success with dropping eight and just sort of forcing uh, the quarterback to, to check down. Mississippi State's made a living doing that quite a bit. Um, but one of the things we're seeing this year and, and with a guy like Will Rogers, who is uh, well into the 20s as far as his career starts already, setting SEC career records, um, is actually you know not even getting to that point. Instead of keeping the play call and, and checking down, um, just pre-snap check to a run or, you know, do the, the run part of an RPO if, if that's, um, you know, the, the play call. So they are actually a bit of a threat on the ground, 57th in rushing uh, offensive team performance, middle of the pack nationally, but um, far, far better than a lot of uh, Mike Leach coach teams in the past. And, and uh, based on, you know, what some, some other folks are, are uh, putting together out there seems to be, um, you know, some quality decision-making, whether it's at the, the coach or, or quarterback level, uh, making sure they're in the right play and in a position to, to be successful. So uh, Mississippi State has, has played pretty good defense under Leach and, and continue to do so. Uh, they have been uh, pretty tough to get big plays through the air against so far this year top 20 in, in yards per pass attempt uh, they are 18th in our passing uh defensive team performance overall they're a quality quality team top 20 roster and you know for the most part as far as i can tell pretty close to a hundred percent health wise throughout the roster i mean everybody obviously has nicks and bruises and and gets banged up at times but um they are not without a starter. They are not without um, a major impact player that I know of, that I have seen. Um, it's possible, as always, that I missed something. But uh, if you look at our you know, team profile of Mississippi State and look position by position, we use orange to indicate a, an injury of note. There is no orange on any, on any team, or excuse me, on any player throughout the team. Uh, meanwhile, Kentucky, <laughs> you go to their page, and Will Levis, orange, bright blue, you know, top two receivers. Like Reese's Pieces wrapper here. Absolutely. Tavion Robinson, Dane Key, the top two wide receivers, you know, highlighted in orange. Uh, the linebacker core, they've had a different, you know, 95-plus rated uh, linebacker, sometimes two, highlighted in orange week after week. I mean, it's, it's almost every position group. Literally, it is every position group other than uh, the defensive line, in our current, you know, team page for Kentucky, uh, has somebody highlighted in that orange to indicate an injury, you know, of note. And, and a lot of these guys are missing time, missing games, missing uh, snaps. So um, we don't know for sure. It sounds like Will Levis did practice today. That's not always an indication uh, that he'll be, you know, full speed ready to go. We really haven't seen Kentucky at full speed. Uh, offensively so far this year, because of course they were without Christopher uh, Christopher Rodriguez for uh, the first month of the year. Um, when he comes back, you know Levis is is out. There was a little bit of an overlap there where they were both uh, available, but uh, Tennessee or excuse me, uh, Kentucky's offensive line has really struggled. They were without the starting left or excuse me, starting right tackle uh, Jeremy Flax last week, um, but even you know, when he was 
available and, and fully healthy. Um, offensive line, you know, performance rating wise, Kentucky ranks 113th coming into this game. So that is a big, big departure from, you know, what was consistently one of the best offensive lines in the country. Uh, they've really, really struggled to run the football. They rank 116th in rushing team performance on the offensive side of the ball. So if Levis is not able to go, um, if Tavion Robinson and or Dane Key are limited or are unable to play, then I don't like this game for Kentucky at all. It's just not a good matchup. Um, but Kentucky does play you know, pretty solid defense, top 25 uh, overall in team performance, 21st against the pass. Uh, so I do think that they will be able to keep Mississippi State somewhat in check. Uh, but even with Will Levis, not 100% sure, you know, that they're going to be able to run the football, to be able to attack through the air, you know, just based on uh, some guys who were injured and, and some other issues that they've had at, at times leading up to this game. So it's not a very good matchup for Kentucky. That said, you know, somewhere in, in our projections, part of it is Kentucky's just a, a solid roster on paper. They're 26 in overall team performance, top 30 on both sides of the football. That's even with us expecting Will Levis to, you know, maybe start. It's basically we have it set to where it's like 50-50 he would play. Um, so with him, they are a top 20 uh, offense and a top 20 overall roster, most likely. But, you know, that plus some of their past performance, even though we don't really, you know, factor that in at this point of the season very much, but Kentucky has become a, a solid top 25 level team. And so it's, it's difficult for our projections, even, you know, with them, uh, or actually part of it, they, they do have this game at home in Lexington. Uh, but it, it's difficult for for us to see a huge gap between Mississippi State and Kentucky because they're pretty similar rosters, even with you know the injury issues uh, limiting Kentucky. So I, I think you know Mississippi State is rightly favored and probably rightly favored at close to a touchdown. Us having this at you know under two points seems too close to me. Uh, I think for you know Kentucky to be able to to keep this uh, within a touchdown, Levis is probably going to have to play and, and be pretty close to 100%, and probably going to have to you know have uh, a couple of his weapons that are at least questionable right now available to him in, in the receiving core. So a lot of signs are pointing toward this being a uh, game that Mississippi State should win, uh, probably should win relatively easily just based on you know, a lot of those injury concerns, but Kentucky does, you know, sometimes find a way to win games. It's not supposed to. So I think that that is certainly a possibility, though. I don't have a whole lot of confidence that, that they're going to be able to get it done this week. Xavier, I mean, you're on the Mississippi state hype train here. So is that who we're taking in this game? Are we taking uh Mississippi state or are you going to lean towards Kentucky, even though they're banged up? Listen, I think Nick does an excellent job of making me second guess all thought. <laughs> However, 
I am still rolling with the Mississippi State hype train. I, I don't think Leach is going to get too cute in this ball game and lead himself into a situation where they're passing it too much. I don't expect one of those performances where Will Rogers has to throw it like 47 times um, in that game, which typically is when they end up losing games that they should win because they don't take the cheats. They don't take the running game as they probably should. Um, and I think that he's finally three or four years in, he's finally decided that, you know, he realized he's in the SEC. He has to run the football. The one thing I will say, and this is where I would disagree with you a little bit, is you talked about the fact that you thought, you know, that this is a bad game for Kentucky as far as, you know, stylistically. I disagree. I think this is actually extremely what – this is exactly what Kentucky needs, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, they, they, they are not a team that has been able to be balanced at all. They, they, they're not a team that has been able to – uh, contend with, you know, the, what Ole Miss was really killing them with was not the passing game. It wasn't, uh, you know, that, that Ole Miss was exquisite in the passing game and Jackson Dart looked like a Heisman contender. It's the fact that Zach Evans and, you know, and that running back room, which is one of the deepest running back rooms in the country, got what they wanted. Um, and they got what they wanted on short downs. They got what they wanted on first down, and it made it so much easier for Jackson Dart to make plays with his legs as well because they struggled to get them off the field. Mississippi State's not not going to do that, and they're not going to – more. let me say this. They'll do it. They're not going to stick with it. They're not a team that sticks with the run. I don't care what they've begun to do. Mike Leach wants to throw the football. And even so, if, even if he runs it, you know, 12 times a game, he's going to run it those 12 times, and that might be it. He's not going to be somebody who uh, who relies on his run game who sees his run game as, as a fixture of his offense. He does it when the defense gives him a look that he likes. And if Kentucky can contend with the fact that Will Rogers is going to be a guy, if they can contend with Will Rogers being a gunslinger and hope that he gives them opportunities to make plays, to make, you know, to, to, to pick certain passes off, they'll be fine. On the flip side of that, Mississippi State's biggest weakness is stopping the run. And so if they could get Chris Rodriguez going, if they can make sure that they play time of possession, which Kentucky teams will do whether they're good or not, uh, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be able to make this game a lot tighter than what it needs to be. And at the end of the day, you know, something that you got to bank on at this point in his career is when is Mike Leach going to call that one play that doesn't make any sense? When is his team going to let you down, whether it be the third quarter, whether it be a second quarter interception, they're going to give you an opportunity. Whether it be Ole Miss or Mississippi State, both teams do it in frequency. And I think Kentucky will tell you right now, they should have beat Mississippi. They should have beat Ole Miss in that ball game, you know, and walked away with a win. I would absolutely say that they should have. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for an illegal formation penalty on a fade that was clearly a touchdown, they, they score and they go up. And then they had another opportunity in that ball game as well. I think Kentucky's woes offensively have been due to health more than anything. Also, it's been to the due to the fact that their offensive line just has not been able to, you know, make up for all the talent that they've lost over the last couple of years. But Chris Rodriguez is still one heck of a running back. They still figure out ways to run the football game in and game out. And if they can control the clock, and I'm talking about control the clock. I'm not talking about some, you know, acute 27-33 split. No, no, no. I'm talking about 40, 40 minutes of football in Kentucky's favor. They got a shot in this ballgame. They genuinely do. And I'm not, I would not be surprised if that's what you see Kentucky's play uh, calling be all game long. I won't be surprised if Kentucky it keep, tries to keep it in a lot of fourth and ones so they can go for it to keep drives alive. They're going to be, and this is the best way I can put this, they're going to be on Army time. Army plays this way all the time. 
when Army plays football, third and three is just a way to get to fourth and one. And fourth and one is just an extra – is not a put down ever. I don't care where they are on the field. And I think that you're going to see that from Kentucky this week as well. They're going to try to out-physical these guys on the point of attack. And if they're able to do so, Mississippi State will be in trouble in this ballgame. I would not be surprised at all. With all that being said, I said that just to play devil's advocate. I like Mississippi State. There is something going on down there in Stark Vegas that they've got cooking, and I'm a part of it. I, I want that Mississippi gumbo. I love it. I need it. And I think they've got it rolling. I, I think Mike Leach has finally figured out a system that works for him because he's added just a sprinkle, just a dash of, of running game into his heavy, into his pass heavy offense. And I think Will Rogers, for all intents and purposes, is a guy that, you know, is quietly making himself a, a possible draftee uh, come later this year. He has 22 touchdowns and three interceptions through the first six games of the year. I mean, the kid is putting up extremely good numbers, and he's doing so on what would be, you know, right now is his second highest completion percentage. He's on pace to throw for right around 4,700 yards. So I like what they got going in Mississippi State. I, once again, I won't be surprised if Kentucky keeps this close because of the style in which they play, but give me the Bulldogs in this, and I'm not talking about Georgia. Uh, look, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, Mike Leach loves to let you down as soon as you have expectations for his team. I, that's so, what I'm, <laughs> I mean, listen. Uh, I'll be probably taking Kentucky, but I won't be playing <laughs> this game. So uh, that's what I'll say about that. You guys want to go lightning round? There's so many good games this week. Yeah, uh, there we go. Like, let's go actual real lightning round, Nick. Uh, yes. Number four, Clemson <laughs> at Florida State. Uh, Clemson's uh, three and a half point favorite. Who do you like in that one? All three of our models have Clemson uh, winning and covering. Okay, as they as they should. DJ, uh, DJ, I think has um, like looks good the, the most uh, the most um, big time throws according to PFF, which is uh, he surprising. looks he, he looks good, man. That defensive line is back healthy, healthy yeah. and uh, together for the first time in a long time. So yeah, which is uh, so that's scary. that's good to see. Florida, Florida State, two, not healthy, also. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Florida is a two and a half point favorite at home against LSU. Another big matchup. Neither team's ranked, which is kind of a surprise, but that's where we're at. LSU is a weird team for us. I mean, we've been incredibly, incredibly high on them. We're definitely wrong. Last week had them uh, projected by 0. 0.03 points, but still had them <laughs> favored uh, at home against Tennessee, which was immediately, you know, uh, wrong from the, the opening kick. Um but yeah, we do have a, a Florida favored, but LSU to cover. I don't feel great about it. Um, haven't haven't really felt great about either team, uh, but I'm particularly worried about LSU at the moment. More worried about LSU right now than I am Florida. Are you sure about that? I think both teams are are are, are like. No, I just I, maybe it's just it happened most recently, and Florida That's was fair. you know off and then played a FCS opponent, so. Uh, and, and I mean, they're coming off of barely beating Missouri. Like <laughs> neither team, I don't think we've been able to say I mean, they weren't off. They played. <laughs> no, they they played this week. Yeah, yeah. They, they beat Missouri. You're right. Missouri. Yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? I don't think I've been able. To, I don't think anybody's been able to say this since Tommy Frazier was at quarterback for Nebraska. But I think it's gonna be whoever's quarterback runs better. I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. Whether it's Jaden Daniels or Anthony Richardson, whatever quarterback is able to run better in this game, they'll win. That, that simple as that. You're probably right about that. How about Washington as 14 and a half point favorites against Arizona? Washington's look like garbage two weeks in a row. Uh, Arizona's not a team that, you know, at this point, if you, they're a bump. They're not, uh, you know, they're, they're not an absolute, uh, you know, pushover. They're a speed bump 
uh, they, they can wreck you if you're going too fast here. So uh, what do you think about uh, Washington as 14.5-point favorites? They are at home, uh, but Arizona has a decent offense now. What do you think, Nick? Uh, so we have Arizona covering, but one thing that, that I'm noticing a little bit more – uh, doing a lot of reflecting on the early season and the preseason and, and things <laughs> like that at this point as we hit the midpoint. And that week one win against San Diego State for Arizona doesn't look as good uh, today as it did at the time, or just not as impressive. Uh, they were able to squeak by North Dakota State, beat a Colorado team that is probably in the conversation as the worst in college football, certainly I think the worst Power 5 team. Um and so, yeah, Arizona has been much more competitive and won those games, but they really haven't been much of a threat in any of the games that they lost. I mean, 0% post-game winning especially Mississippi State, 2% against Cal, 0% against Oregon. Washington is is better. reeling a little bit, but I think is the better team, and, and especially at home. Uh, opportunity for them to sort of get right. And I, I'm not sure Arizona's quite got what it takes yet to go on the road and, and get that win. Xavier, you in agreement there? Got to be a UW win. They got to win big in this we game. Gotta, listen, for all I was talking about with Michael <laughs> Penix, he better not let me down for another week. Like, <laughs> I'm sick of it. Man. I, talked to, I talked him up after the year he had at Indiana, then he goes out the next year and completely fledgling and gets hurt, but that's not his, that's not his fault. And then I talk him up with Washington's a possible contender for the Pac-12. Then they go and get drubbed the last two weeks by two, by a backup. Emory Jones wasn't even playing. If they lose this week, there's gotta be some genuine changes uh, happening at that school, um, especially at the quarterback Ooh. position. If they go another week, I mean, listen, he threw 55 wow. times, <laughs> 55. I don't you know the last take, time I watched take him off the field after two losses come on, or three losses in a row. I mean, to Arizona and Arizona State, yeah, that's like the equivalent of losing to like 2020 Kansas. And well, like, I think yeah. the quarterback for Arizona State probably should have been the starter the whole year, to be honest. I mean, with you. like, he looked, he looked great out there. Uh, but, um, yeah, they're getting carved up on both sides, they, they don't look great. How about let, let's do this one, Nick? The number 25 ranked James Thanks, Madison, Madison. Oh, Dukes, 11-point road favorites against Georgia Southern. Obviously, uh, James Madison, even if they win undefeated, which is highly doubtful because they have a rough schedule uh, coming up here, uh, it looks like they're, they're going to run into uh, a couple issues here. I mean, you know, Marshall next week, Louisville after that, Georgia State, Coastal. So they have some some tough matchups here, but they're ranked right now, even though they can't make the, the postseason because it's their first year uh, bumping up to the FBS level. But um, I don't know. Georgia Southern not playing great. Dukes are 11-point favorites here. Well, how do you see this one going? James Madison is a really, really difficult team for us to project. We're, we're I think, catching up quicker than we have. The, the best comparison I have top of my mind is – uh, in 2020, where Coastal Carolina went from, you know, mediocre at best to one of the best G5 teams in the country. James Madison, FCS team, we build all our player ratings and our team uh, ratings based, you know, with recruiting numbers being that number one thing. Experience and production certainly add to it. And James Madison has had uh, plenty of that. So they're not coming in as, you know, the worst roster in uh, FBS, but they rank 108th in roster strength, uh, 127th on the defensive side of the ball. And so that drags them down. 
because you know 40 45 percent of of our overall projection is that roster strength number uh they have climbed up to 45 in our power rankings which i think is incredibly impressive largely because they played like a top 10 team they are ninth in overall team performance uh fifth in defensive team performance uh they have the number one defensive line in in our d-line performance rating so far this year a top 20 offensive line uh, all of those numbers are adjusted for strength of schedule. So if you were just to look at raw numbers, I mean, they are among the national leaders and a lot of efficiency numbers. Um, James Madison has played incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, but those roster numbers week after week, we are basically on whoever James Madison is playing if they are uh, favored. <laughs> so Texas State, Arkansas State, double digit, you know, uh, favorites basically. We've been on Texas State and Arkansas State similar this week against Georgia Southern. It's just those roster numbers drag them down uh, to within, you know, the the area where uh, the established FBS team, we just think is going to keep it a little bit closer, at least the way we project it. So don't have a lot of uh, confidence in Georgia Southern being able to keep it close. However, I do think at some point James Madison is – is probably going to um, slip up and lose one of these Sunbelt games. You know, it could it could be Georgia Southern. Uh, Marshall's probably maybe a little more likely, maybe a Georgia State, maybe a Coastal Carolina. But it's hard for me to, to say or, or see uh, James Madison just completely rolling through the schedule for nine or ten wins, though they've been incredibly impressive and, and legitimately are playing like a top ten team. Yeah, you have any uh, lean one way or the other on that one, Xavier? I don't want to see George Southern get creamed anytime they play anybody. <laughs> so that, that, if you ask for a lean, there you go. Uh, no, but, <laughs> uh, but no, in all seriousness, I, I think James Madison has taken the Sunbelt by surprise in, in some ways. Uh, but now they're pe- playing, you know, I think what would be considered the the, the Sunbelt darlings um, of the world. Georgia Southern, yes, they are one of them. Um, so I, this is where their schedule turns for me, and I'll be impressed to see how they handle it. Um, yeah. They go and blow out Georgia Southern this week. That's an impressive win. I don't care who it is. I, 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 like I said, they're going to be playing some of the, the, the Sun Belt darlings, Georgia Southern, uh, Georgia State, Coastal. You know, obviously Marshall is be, will become one if they continue to play the way they have. And, you know, they already have one under their, uh, you know, on, one on their belt with it being App State, who inexplicably lost to Texas State this week. I know we didn't talk about that, but what? 36 to 24. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even close. Like for 30 part or 30 of the game. Yeah, like it was ugly. Um, Chase Bryce even put it, had to throw it 53 times. I'm like, geez. Um, but yeah, I, I'm expecting this James Madison to drop a couple down the stretch here um, and, and kind of return back to earth. Uh, but right now, hey, they're ranked 25. They're, they're a Sunbelt team, so I'm going to root for them in some regard. Um, and they're playing Georgia Southern on the road. And there's nothing better than beating Georgia Southern in Statesboro. Trust me. Uh, a couple more for you guys. Um, I know we're going a little long here, but this is a big week. Lots of big games. Um, let's go. Uh, let's go to. Let's kind of do that one. Nah, let's skip that one. Uh, Oklahoma by nine and a half at home against Kansas. Are we believing in Oklahoma against anybody, even if it's not Jalen Daniels? Bean was me, good. Give me Billy Bean. Sorry, <laughs> I, I I know. For, if you don't know that movie reference, please, and you're listening to my best, <laughs> go 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 watch Moneyball. Um, anyways. I don't see why not. He looked excellent. Like, 
I, and I understand that TCU's defense is no is no nothing to go home and write about. However, neither is Oklahoma's, and if anything, Oklahoma's secondary is horrendous. So, I mean, the kid has an arm. He has confidence, swagger. I mean, I love his game. And, you know, in the event that, you know, Daniels is healthy, this should be a – I was going to say this should be a route. Wow. Um, <laughs> this, this should be a win. Let me say that much. I, I won't go that far. <laughs> but I, I was about to – yeah, I was about to really get on my soapbox. But, no, this should be a win. For <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Nick, you can't defend Oklahoma anymore, right? Not after a show. No, no, no. I, no, no. I, I, listen, I, let, let him because whatever he does, <laughs> Oklahoma does not show up. So I uh, – I, I, was impressed the first couple of weeks. Thought, okay, all right, this Oklahoma defense. Uh, after the Nebraska game, like everybody thought, yeah, okay, this this Oklahoma team, maybe there's not that much of a drop off. But the last three weeks, whoo, wow, just yeah. worse and worse and worse. Uh, the numbers are very, very bad. I mean, Oklahoma against the run, 120th in team performance defensively. Overall, 104th. Um, the offense. Certainly didn't look like the same offense without Dylan Gabriel. It sounds like he's practicing, though it also sounds like he's still, you know, having to, to go through tests, not maybe fully clear he's going to play. Uh, after we mentioned the uh, Jalen Daniels uh, may not be out for the season uh, note, Lance Leopold tweeted a photo of Daniels that he says, you know, look who stopped by my office and it's Daniels with both his arms extended, which, you know, if you had a major shoulder injury might not uh, feel very good. Oh, so <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So we, we have Oklahoma favored and don't have Dylan Gabriel fully expected uh, to start. He's kind of in that 50, 50, uh, projection the way that will levis is i do have daniels listed as out but you know as Xavier mentioned the drop off from daniels who's an 84 rated player perhaps a little underrated based on the, how well he's played so far this year to bean who's a you know almost 81 not nearly as far of a drop off uh and kansas matches up pretty well you know they're 21st in rushing team performance you would think they would lean even you know more heavily on that uh, Bean can be a dynamic playmaker on the ground. Uh, I believe he has uh, posted the you know fastest. Um, basically, he's the fastest player on the Kansas roster, uh, cool. and you know he's a when he a hurdler. I mean, he's a he's incredibly he's an athlete. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so faster than Hinshaw. I think so. Uh, I think I think that's been a note in a couple of broadcasts that, that okay. he's uh, but, you know, maybe maybe I misheard it. But uh, yeah, he, he can he can make plays and guys like Devin Neal, Kai Thomas is back. Um, the receiver room got a little bit of a boost last year's starter. Uh, Trevor Wilson, who's been suspended to this point, is back with the team now. So uh, he might be able to give a lift as he, if he's ready to, to come in and, and uh, play right away. So Kansas, I think, is still going to be incredibly competitive and well-coached. Um, it, it's it just be an angry Oklahoma. Should be. Uh, and perhaps in some ways, I feel a little bit uh, more like this is, is a game that you know, Kansas might have that shot to get to 
uh, bowl eligibility here rather than some of the other. You know, they're they're starting to to play tough Big Twelve. Everybody in the Big Twelve is. There are no bad teams in the Big Twelve. Every week is is going to be difficult for Kansas, but this is you know now an obvious uh, one week after the other situation where Kansas just doesn't have the more talented team. And, and, you know, they played like the more talented team the first four weeks of the season. Um, And then maybe it's going to start to catch up with them a little bit. I don't know. This is a game Oklahoma probably should win, uh, but we're on Kansas to cover. And I don't hate that. (laughs) Lightning round, Nick. All right. Sorry. I have three more games uh, that, that I want to ask you about, but I'm just going to, I mean, we're, we're kicking two hours here. So I just want to uh, get, get your picks in these games. Is Ole Miss going to beat Auburn by 14 and a half, Nick? Uh, we have 14.1. Okay. Uh, is Minnesota is a six and a half point road favorite against number 24, Illinois should be a good game. Who do we have in that one? Six and a half. I had it as one. And our uh, projections. Uh, I'll, I'll double check, but, but my <laughs> uh, my app here is telling me six and a half, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Check I mean, on that. Uh, check. Yeah. On. Okay. So it opened at one. All right. I gotta. I gotta read. Uh, I gotta money redo that. that <laughs> we have. We have it as a as a coin flip. So we're on okay. Illinois to cover. Uh, Illinois. You have a good lean on that one, Xavier. Don't give me the fighting bear Belemans. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think this line is too big. To be honest with you, Texas is 16 and a half point favorites at home against Iowa State. Obviously, I love my Longhorns and they just beat down Oklahoma. But I don't know. This is kind of the issue that Texas has had. They play great one week and then they play bad the next week. And, you know, they're college kids and that happens to everybody. But, you know, you almost beat uh, Alabama and then you lose to Texas Tech. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, this has been a bugaboo for Texas. But so, this is Quinn yours we're talking about here. It is. It, it, different it is. beast. It is, right? And, and Iowa State is 3-3. Three and three. They've looked anything but impressive. They put up nine points against Kansas State. They put up 11 against Kansas. Uh, they put up Jeez. only 24 against Baylor. They've lost three straight. This is a tough matchup for them for sure, but I don't know, man. You know, Texas gets the entire Big 12's best every single time. So I don't know. I think 16 and a half is too big of a spread. What do you think? Nate? We have Texas covering. Uh, okay. One reason why is talent. I put out uh, matchups uh, each week on Wednesday, was able to get them done a little early this week. So they're already out on our Patreon, uh, but do you know full roster offense versus defense, offensive line versus defensive line, all, all sorts of, you know, position matchups, do team performance, do pace. Uh, and Texas has the uh, fifth biggest uh, roster talent gap in this game of any matchup this season. Wow. Uh, just slightly below uh, Georgia versus Vanderbilt in the Power Five. So on paper, Texas has a huge talent advantage, uh, and our projections think that that's going to you know, carry a, a pretty heavy weight this week. Ooh, uh, I, got, I got one. And then you didn't mention it, and I'm glad you didn't. Because the, both of these two teams' season is on the line in this matchup. BYU-Arkansas. And that's the one I skipped when I said I'm going to skip that game. That's the we one. Yeah, BYU favorite. You do? BYU awesome. favorite. All right. Awesome. Is Jefferson playing? I don't think Probably, unless the kicker hurt him again. 
Okay. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he didn't, he, I, I guarantee he didn't help him in protocols. So. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right. That is going to wrap it up for us. Remember, you can follow us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, and at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. We will see you guys next week. Good luck, and we'll see you then. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.